Hello and welcome to On the Line. I'm Carl Richter here with reporter Lori Dunn with maybe our last special report on the Taylor Parker murder case. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, uh, the 10th of November, and yesterday the sentence came down and it was the death penalty. They did give her the death penalty. A Booth County jury made that decision. Six men, six women. And how long did it take them? It took them about an hour and 15 minutes to come back. So, uh... They've had a lot of time, yeah, probably, absolutely. to form an opinion, so... That seems to mean there wasn't a whole lot of debate. There must not have been but amongst themselves, no. I, um, when they did the, you know, the trial was in two portions. The first portion, I think it was October 3rd, they did the verdict for guilt or innocence. I, I didn't think that one would take long, but I did wonder if actually giving someone the death penalty would be a little harder, you know, and that there might be some deliber- more deliberation. But I think the um, the evidence was overwhelming. Um, the prosecution's case was that she could not be even somewhat rehabilitated, and they they seemed pretty confident in, in their decision. What was the courtroom like? The courtroom yesterday morning was packed, literally. They, during the beginning, when a lot of people were coming, they brought in an extra row of chairs. They had taken those out as it went on, and not as many people were coming. Yesterday, the extra row of chairs was back, plus chairs at the end of the aisles. Um, it, it, it was literally packed, overflowing. Was there a reaction when the um, no the, the judge read? told everyone beforehand that he did not want any reaction that it's an open court everyone's welcome to be there but everyone needs to practice decorum you could hear a little bit of sighs mm-hmm. sighs of relief from some people I'm sure um, a little bit of soft crying mm-hmm. I think of relief from some of the family um, but it, no it was. Um, it was it was very quiet. It was very um, it was um, I don't know. Maybe this is this is going to be this part's a little bit of my opinion. But you know, coming right after election day, you hear about voting such a privilege and such an honor. And I think watching a jury in action is also like that. Yeah. Um, it, it's a very formal process. We rise for the jury. Um, out of respect, I mean, they they had a lot to to think about, and it, it was very interesting to watch that that process in motion. Yeah, just them taking on that responsibility. Very, um, very quiet and respectful feeling in the mm-hmm. room. Now, after <laughs> that's yeah. different. Yeah, um, you know, everybody uh, after the verdict, the the judge read it. He then questioned every juror individually to make sure that was their vote. Then he read it. He issued the death penalty based on the vote. Mm-hmm. He talked briefly about her chance, her opportunity to appeal, which is her right. And I'm going to be looking into that process a little bit more for a story. And then we 
court was dismissed, and then that's when the emotions came out. People were hugging. People were crying. Uh, Taylor Parker never had any family in the courtroom, so Mm. she had her defense team, several people, not just the two attorneys. She had several people who were with her, but but they were all with with the defense. Um, There there were just a lot lot of the family members, the Hancocks, um, Reagan's husband's family, and then her biological family and friends were in the some of them had come a lot but then a lot of them just came occasionally and they were all there that day her grandmother reagan's grandmother had actually been in an accident in conway about halfway through the trial and was injured pretty bad but she came back and she was there yesterday so um you know they say it won't bring her back but they feel now they, they do have some closure and they can start start moving on. And I hope that's true for them. I didn't realize till just now that um, Parker's family never came. Parker's family never came. No. Boy. Um, she speaks to her mother. Some of the evidence was the jailhouse phone calls with her mother. Mm-hmm. She talks to her mother on the phone. Um, I think she's talked to her brother once. Now, her mother and brother were, were called as witnesses, but... She didn't have anybody in the gallery there. If she did, they kept very quiet. Right. They weren't, you know, speaking up. But it's a small, she was from, I think her family was from Titus County originally, but they, um, um, she had lived in Sims for a while. So, you know, they're, she's pretty much, you know, a Bowie County person too. So um, there's a lot of people that probably knew of her, knew her family. What had the defense done to try to keep her off death row? The defense's main goal um, was obviously to keep her off death row, and their, their strategy was um, that she had um, something wrong with her brain. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously she was found fit to stand trial, but they were trying to show that maybe a little bit about she didn't know what she was doing. Um, or couldn't control her Couldn't control it. I think, it, yeah, I think it was Monday. They had a doctor from New York in as an expert witness. And that, that's why the trial got interrupted last Wednesday and Thursday because the expert witness was not available at that time. He read her scans and said he absolutely thought she had a brain problem. And I'm not a doctor or even a good biology student, so I'm not even going to try and, mm-hmm. and and use the words they did or go into the detail. But he, he likened it to a picture of a dementia patient's brain. Like mm. there's things not, neurons that are not firing like they should. Yeah. Um, and said that sometimes people are born with this, sometimes they lose it for some reason. And he attributed a lot of her pathological lying to this. And prosecution in cross-examination, they, they're like a dementia patient might not tell the truth. They might try and fill in gaps. Like you ask them, what do you have for breakfast? They might tell you something totally different. That's not lying for a purpose. That's right. maybe... Embarrassment. Embarrassment or just... 
they, they just absolutely don't remember. Maybe that's right. what they had for breakfast last week. So they're, they're right, going right. to say that today. So pro- after the defense rested, prosecution gets a chance for rebuttal. They get to bring in prior witnesses with new information or slightly different information. And they brought in two doctors who had testified before, and they read the scans again and said there's absolutely nothing wrong with her brain, um, no mental illness, just personality disorder, which they had talked about before, and you know, pathological liar. And then the last, the last witness in the rebuttal was, her, was Reagan Hancock's mother, and they brought her back, obviously, for an emotional impact, and I think that made... I think it made the impact mm-hmm. on the jury that they wanted. And then the closing statements yesterday were 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 pretty powerful. From the from the prosecutors, you mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Jeff Harrelson did a good job too. I mean, he was doing his job for the defense. He, you know, he he asked for mercy and tried to point out that Taylor was a human being, that she was a mother, that she was a sister. But ultimately, you know, people, it, it's, it's just really hard to paint her in that light. Right. And Lauren Richards with the DA's office did the closing statements for the prosecution, and then Jeff Harrelson did for the defense, and then Kelly Crisp with the prosecution was able to come back with a rebuttal and Kelly is a very fiery person Mm -hmm. and I I remember I think the first day of court one of the investigators for Bowie County said something about the fire and brimstone that could come out of Kelly Mm -hmm. and we saw it we saw it she she's passionate and you know she's been she said I've just been fighting for this family this whole time and um she was quoting proverbs, and and also another another thing that I thought Kelly said that was interesting was it. She told the jury it's it's a it's been a heavy burden. It's a heavy burden for them. Yeah. But she said a friend of hers had told her, "You're not sending her to death row. She's sending herself." Right. And that that's what she told the jury. Har- Harrelson also brought up. Biblical quotes, you know, forgiveness, turn the other cheek. Parker went, uh, Parker, Kelly went for a more um, emphatic. Um, she read from Proverbs 6.16, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, Feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And then she looked at the jury and said, that's her. Wow. And it, it packed a punch. Yeah, I can imagine. And there were victim impact statements later, too. Yes, uh, victim impact statements come after the verdict, which I, I had not been in trial in a long time, and I, I forgot about that part. Um, but those were also very, um, um, Reagan Hancock's younger sister, Emily, who's so young, I think she's 21 now, so she was like 19 when this happened, and 
she's in college and said she didn't know if she'd be able to finish because, you know, focus and everything, and she's engaged to be married. And she she got to look directly at Taylor Parker and say, I'm not going to have my maid of honor when I get married. I'm not going to have my sister. I'm going to carry her photo down the aisle. And just talked about how young she was when she lost her sister, and now there there wouldn't be any any more birthdays, any more milestones for that family that included Reagan. And Reagan and Emily's mother, uh, Jessica Brooks, gave an impact statement. She's the one that found her daughter like that. Yeah. And just talked about, you know, the how how it's impacted the whole family and. She knows what she saw that day, and she's wondering what went on in the mind of, of Reagan's little girl. Yeah. And they don't really know how that's going to affect her, but they're doing the best they can with her and um, helping her out. And they, they say she's been doing a lot of drawing, a lot of art, therapy. Yeah. Um, but just some heartbreaking testimony from them about Kenley, the little girl, when she sees a pregnant woman, she'll ask if that woman is hurt. Oh. If she's injured. Yeah. Oh. So That's awful. It, I, th- I think the jury, that, that really, they may have already knew what they were going to do, but that was definitely, you know, some very compelling testimony. Because she said that part, uh, Jessica, Reagan's mother said that part when she was on the stand as a witness. So that was before the verdict. I think if they had already decided on death penalty, that still, that brought it home, maybe. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, this is probably not the last uh, story we're going to be doing about uh, Taylor Parker. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of interest and just to see how, how the appeal process goes. And she is becoming, what did you say, the seventh woman? She is the seventh. The verdict yesterday made her the seventh woman on death row in Texas currently. They have six women mm-hmm. housed, and she um, she has already been taken. Um, I'm not sure if it was yesterday or this morning, but she's gone from Bus State. They've already I guess to, to Huntsville. Uh, no, um, and that's going to be one of my Sunday stories a little bit about the facility. There's a separate facility in um, Gatesville, Texas. Okay. Um, uh, where the women, okay. I think where a lot of women are housed. Yeah, I, I assume kind of it would be Huntsville too, but it, but it's not. So okay. she will be in Gatesville. Well, we will continue to follow the story. Thanks so much for all your perseverance Thank through you. all this. It's been a burden on you too. To some extent. I mean, it, it It was a lot to, you know, it was a lot. You couldn't really just go home and turn it off, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. But there were several breaks, you know, some weeks we only worked partial weeks, and that did help, you know, get back to normal life a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, Kelly, Kelly Crisp on the first day told the jury that this would change them. And I, I imagine it did. Yeah, you know, having to make that decision, I ca- I can't imagine. I I can't imagine having to make that decision. <sighs> so, um, th- I mean, they're they're the um, the champions of this, you know. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, thanks very much. We'll be Thank keeping up with everything. Me. All right. On the line is a Texarkana Gazette podcast recorded in Star Bear Studio, right here in downtown Texarkana, USA. Follow On the Line on Twitter at OTLTXK and on our website, texarkanagazette.com slash podcast. To support the show, post a positive review wherever you get your podcasts. The show is written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Carl Richter. And I'd love to hear from you. Email me at krichter at texarkanagazette.com. I'll see you next time on the line.